Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Quentin D'Souza. Quentin, we had back on the show, I think it was in the, the 80s of episodes, 85 or 83 or something like that. Um, but if you want to, Quentin's a, like, I think everyone knows who Quentin is, but he's a great source of information. Go back and listen to that one. I didn't look up the episode number, but you can find it. <laughs> um, Quentin, let's start by giving everybody a bit of an intro to who you are, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about what you're doing and we'll... Sure. So I've been investing for for a long time. I started investing in real estate in 2004. 2008, I started to buy three or four properties a year in, in Ontario. By the time that 2013 came along, I could quit my job as a teacher. I, I didn't. So um, I was actually a consultant at the board level and it had my master's in ed was going to be a school principal that's what they were kind of coaching me to to do and i left in 2014 um, focused on real estate full-time continued to scale and grow since then did like a dozen flips the first year did rent homes did some wholesaling did a bunch of different things and um, started to get into apartment buildings 2015 um, just with a, a six unit and uh, 2018, I got uh, started in the, the US as well. So started to get some US stuff going and um, I have over 100 million in, in assets um, in Canada and uh, probably about, I would say a million in hard assets and then soft, another million soft assets in, in, um, in the US. So um, that's been really good. I've, I've enjoyed that. And you know, I've written six books. Uh, you can get them on. Now? Yeah, six. Yeah. Well, you know, it was COVID, man. Like I got two <laughs> books done in COVID. <laughs> wow. So when other people were, I don't know. <laughs> doing other shit i was uh <laughs> i was writing books <laughs> so no, i got like yeah it's funny you say that like i i my a lot of people are like oh covid that slowed my business down i'm like my business exploded during covid i had the time to like focus and really you know build the systems out you had the time to do those things that take a bunch of time right um, yeah yeah absolutely actually i stopped coaching at the beginning of january last year i do have a coaching program but i have uh one of my former students that runs it for me um and uh i uh i focused on my real estate portfolio and i and ended up doubling my portfolio actually more than doubling it since i i focused really on acquiring assets and um so that's been a really good so I've uh, I've been I've blessed uh, tremendously with a great uh, team of people around me, and um, you know great partners, and you know it's been uh, it's been an awesome uh, ride so far, and I can I can't see me not doing this. So I, I really enjoy it, which is uh, I think the important part, right? If you're not enjoying what you're doing, then it makes it a lot harder to do it. But I I really enjoy what I'm doing, so it's it's been great. Wow. I, I popped more questions in my head than whatever I was thinking of we were going to go with this, but you know, building this and scaling it to that level, like, um, what, what are your responsibilities now? Do you still do the deal searching, the deal analysis? What, what parts do you still do? 
Yeah, so if you're talking on the Canadian side, so we got to kind of separate Canadian okay, from yeah. US, okay? So on the Canadian side, uh, I'm still acquiring assets. Uh, I'm not doing the day-to-day -day property management and, and I'm not doing the bookkeeping. I'm not doing any of the day-to-day the -day, uh, stuff, but I am, you know, acquiring assets, talking to potential partners. Uh, and then I am uh, doing the due diligence and the, the acquiring of the asset. Once it becomes acquired, then, you know, our work starts to carry out the business plan, which is like um, uh, buy, reposition, uh, refinance and, and hold, right? So it's a really like a burr strategy on apartment buildings that, um, that's been working really well. And, and um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not really doing a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff, but I am doing on the high level, making sure that the business plan is being carried out. I have lots of people that like a team that works with me and, um, and that, that helps to, um, you know, to make sure that things get done, but I'm not like, I'm not working, you know, 80 hours a week or anything like that. <laughs> it's not, it wouldn't be fun. Uh, you no, know, no kidding. Yeah. what about the U S side? How does that, how do you look down there? So the U.S. side is really different. So the reason why I'm investing in the U.S. is different. So I'm investing in the U.S. One, I want to hedge against the Canadian economy. Um, you know, it's just an opportunity to be involved in a different economy, get paid in U.S. dollars, which is which is good, and invest in an asset class I understand, which is real estate. Right. So those are the, the reasons why. Also, you know, some of our future goals, uh, let's like when I say uh, we like my wife and myself and, and our family is to spend a lot of time traveling to different places. And, um, and being able to spend US dollars is really great. And going visiting the assets where, where you own it in different locations is, is very helpful. So, um, and she doesn't really want to be in like a Costa Rica, or like, a, like, um, I don't know, a kind of a far off country, yeah. I would say she wants to be in, in somewhere that's kind of like a, the US. And for me, I don't, I don't, as long as it has heat, and like palm trees, I'm okay. I don't, I don't care where <laughs> I am. So, uh, you know, I think that that's the, that, you know, that's the, the, the reasoning why behind it is, but mostly it's that hedge against the Canadian economy that I, I want to ensure of. And uh, so I've got uh, both um, hard assets. So we've got uh, four properties in uh, Tampa um, and uh, those have doubled in value since we've purchased them in 2018, which has been good. I just finally refinanced them in March this year for the second time. Nice. Uh, yeah, which has been really good. Um, and, um, and that, that's, that was a struggle because the first time I was refinancing my, uh, my lender ghosted me in, uh, um, because of COVID. So COVID started in March of 2020. And that's when I had my financing all lined up to go. And then I went to, I was like, okay, let's sign the documents. And then they they ghosted me. Like, it was like, oh. I like totally ghosted me. I was like, oh my, what the so nothing happened and it took like another year after that to get the financing finally done and then i found a better lender paid the penalty <laughs> and got like you know sub you know i think it was like a like around a four percent rate five-year rate um with the 30-year amortization 
um, on a, like a 75% LTV um, with a portfolio loan across the four properties, was able to release all the capital that I had put into it, that property yeah. um, or the properties and then redeploy that. So I'm also in, um, involved in a number of LPs in the U.S., um, just a little bit of creative stuff. Yeah. The, the, some of the challenges with that is like, um, you know, the, some of the types of depreciation that are available in the U.S. and some of like the exchanges, like the 1031 exchange bonus depreciation, they're not really available to Canadians in the same way. No. And so you have to be careful when you're doing your, <laughs> your taxes that you don't you know that you 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 remember that that's not available and that way you can ensure that you're you know you're taxed uh, appropriately first of all i'm not a tax accountant so make sure you talk to your cross-border specialist but even like um, an accountant in the u.s wouldn't know that right, right? so you, you need to talk to your canadian accountant who will talk to your accountant in the US or has that cross-border specialty. And then um, that way you're ensuring that everybody's communicating regarding, you know, what's going on. But, you know, that's been really good too. So I've been getting some um, some deferred return or some uh, uh, preferred returns off of those LPs and also the, um, the direct uh, returns that I'm getting from the, um, the stuff that I have in in Tampa, like it, it's probably like I'm probably making five six thousand a month from uh, from that that stuff, which has been really you know uh, great, and uh, give, gave that gives me the hedge that I'm looking for. So now I can it, like I don't get the same return profile as I do in Canada, but I um, it just gives me a hedge, right? And that's all I'm looking for. You mentioned the hedge a couple times, and you said hedge against the Canadian economy. Are you? Do you mean like um, the currency differences, or market cycles, or what? What, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, you everything, right? So yeah. because when when you're investing in a different country, you're investing in that economy, and you're investing in those dollars. And um, remember, when we we talk about dollars, there's there's a lot of things that we have to think about, right? Because the value of dollars are different depending on what economy you're in. So let's like go back and think about like, like let's say in 1912, okay? You, you bought a suit in Canada and you bought a suit and it was like $12, right? right? And you go and you look at a suit today and that same suit is like $300, yeah. same suit. So has the suit changed? No. No. So what's happened? Your dollar's gotten less valuable. Right. So, and, and, and that's, that's not only on a, you know, a countrywide basis, but that's on a currency basis. Right. So I'm, I, so the way that I think of it, that, that, that hedge is also when I'm earning dollars in another currency, that's giving me a hedge and it's kind of thinking strategically. Right. I, I, I never want something to take me down. I always want to have different uh, options that are out there. And that that's given me a, a, another option as a, 
you know, as a Canadian too. I'm not, and I'm not hiding anything. Like I, like I, I'm not. There's some people who feel like, <laughs> you know, they're trying to find shell corporations in the U.S. and you know, do all this. Yeah, yeah. No. You know, I, I, I don't want to be, you know, hunted down by anybody, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm here. Like I'm honest about what I'm doing because yeah. I'm disclosing it through through my taxes. But, you know, it's it is truly a hedge, right? It's it's what I'm what I'm what I'm thinking of both economically and currency wise. Have you ever thought about like investing in other countries just because, uh, you know, you think about Canada and the US, we are have a lot of things that are tied together. Like, you know, some of the other ones would be way more separate. If you went to like China, which might be a little bit more difficult to invest in, but even Europe or something like that. When I started investing in the US, I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that glensutherland.com slash coaching a 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over zoom from the comfort of your own home classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions shortcut the process make fewer mistakes curriculum available at glensutherland.com slash coaching well, I've been to different places before, like Belize, Turks and Caicos. That's I'm actually organizing a trip down to Costa Rica in November with uh, a, a couple of friends, Rob Brake and Natasha Colchero, down in in um, in November this year. So, I mean, I'm I'm willing to look, but I I think that there are things that I like, I can always invest differently in those locations versus how I'm investing in the US and Canada, because of the the, the law, because of like the history, the way that you can take um, carry out business from a real estate perspective. It's like, when you look at, for example, Belize or Turks and Caicos, very like, different way of trying to transact on real estate right it's yeah. it's it's totally not the same i might look at like the uk but and i have you know looked at um uh, properties in the uk but the like the numbers just are way out of whack it doesn't doesn't make sense to me right um so it has to make sense as well which is often you know i'm looking at from a, an investor eyes as well as from a um you know a capital protection uh, um, perspective yeah so you just put out um on your channel just yesterday and i didn't actually watch it yet but you put out a video why should an uh <laughs> Why should a Canadian invest in the U.S., right? A Canadian real estate investor invest in the U.S. Why, why should a Canadian invest in the U.S.? Well, I, I, I think you have to think about, first of all, what your goals are in life and what you want to do and how and future pace your investments to what it is that you want. So if you're planning on staying at home and staying in Canada and not really doing much, there's no reason to invest in the US from my perspective. Yeah. If you're going to be traveling, if you're looking to create a sustainable real estate portfolio that kind of, uh, you know, maybe is multi-generational, then perhaps, you know, you have the bill, then you should be looking at the US. So is it right for everybody? No. But is it right for um, a lot of people? If you're looking to travel, I suggest I suggest it is right. Um, some people like yourself, right? You can you can totally shift the way that your income is coming in through U.S. real estate. But 
honestly, you could do the same thing in Canada, right? It just would be different. Um, but you, but um, so for some people, it's it's a whole you know ec economic shift. So everybody has to look at it from their own goals perspective. I never say that there's a right way or wrong way of doing it, but I do think that you know if you plan on traveling or you plan on like there's a lot of Canadians who plan to be snowbirds, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's no reason why you shouldn't own, especially properties that have a good yield and good return. I think that's a great opportunity for Canadians to, to be able to take advantage of that. Um, yeah. You know, there's a, a lot of people who are looking right now to Alberta or the East Coast because the laws are different or they're able to get better returns. And um, I'm not saying that that's good or bad. But, um, you know, you have to understand the depth of the like of what each province is and what they do and like population growth and a lot of the fundamentals. And if that still makes sense to you, then for sure, you know, take the time and invest in those markets. But, you know, like as a Canadian investing in the US, I think, you know, you've got to look at your goals. And then if the goals line up, then yeah, for sure, you should you should be taking the time and investing there. Awesome. You just mentioned some stuff about the laws. And I know in Canada, you're focused on the multifamily apartments. Is, uh, does that have, are those related at all? Is it that that's why you went into the apartment thing? Because I know for a single family home, depending on what market you're in, they could be like a million dollars right now to rent is um, in numbers having to make sense. Is that why you go into the multifamily? Yeah, you know what, I think that what what people tend to see is they see like the compare, like when you're looking at one to four unit properties, the way that you evaluate a property is based on a comparative model. So an appraisal is based on the property that sold next door, the property that sold across the street, right? Yeah. Um, the difference in apartment building and, and, and the challenge you have with that is that let's say you know, your property is worth 1.1 million, but your rents only give you a debt coverage ratio that allows you to take $500,000 out of a, on a mortgage on that property. That's not, all you have is some debt equity in there. Sure, you could do creative financing to, to access it, maybe a second, maybe like, you know, portfolio credit, credit line or something, but um, you have to be creative about that. In the multifamily space, the valuation of the property is based on the net operating income. And the net operating income is something that I can change and control. Whereas in the, um, yes, I can control somewhat by adding value to a property, improving it, like in the one to four unit space, but it's much easier. We've, we've created an environment in Ontario with rent control that makes it very hard to to turn over units. And when you do turn over units, you can add value to a property. So let me give you an example. Yep. Uh, and, and the Americans, like when I explain this to them, they, they like, actually I was on the East coast and I was explaining this to some East coast investors and they had no play. They, they were like, what, this doesn't even like, why would you do that? So, um, so I paid uh, $7,000 to three tenants to leave. Um, in one of my buildings in uh, in the GTA. Okay, yes. so why would I pay seven thousand dollars to for each tenant to leave? So let's say um, so I'm moving from eight hundred dollars in rent to yep. sixteen hundred dollars in rent for each yep. unit. 
Okay. Yep. So that means that I'm increasing the, for all three units, I'm increasing my uh, net operating income by $2,400 per month. Okay. Right. So if I look at $2,400 per month yep. and I multiply it by 12, okay. That is $28,800. Okay. Now I divided by the cap rate because remember apartment buildings are based value on, on the cap rate. Okay. So now I divide it by, and the CMHC will use a cap rate of uh, 0.04%, uh, right? Like four cap, but market cap rate is three. So I'm going to say four cap for, and this is how much value gets added $720,000. So is it worth $7,000 per unit to, and plus probably about another five to $6,000 just to, to, to turn over the unit. So maybe I'm into it for 40 K. Yeah. Is it worth it? 720,000. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the difference between multifamily and one to four unit properties. How do you change that value so quickly? And we, we you know, we've, we've created this system. Like this is a system and, and it's, it's specific to this market, right? California is similar, but okay. not as bad as Ontario because the system is, but all I'm doing is I'm, I'm working within the system to be able to do that. You know, I've written two books on property management. Like I understand, you know, how to take advantage of the property management piece of it and clean up a building right? Like that's what we're doing. We're taking a building that was like C and making it B or better. And, um, and, and, and that's what I'm doing with these buildings. And that's the value add and difference between a one to four unit is now I can actually grab that additional value, right? Yep. If I did that in, uh, in um, a one to four unit building, sure, I could grab a little bit more value, but it's not as much as an apartment building. And it's like, like in a one to four unit property, maybe it's like a hundred thousand dollars that you pull out in an apartment building. It, it can be like a million, right? <laughs> so it becomes like numbers that are, um, are more life-changing, I would say yes. now. So in the way that like we're at, uh, we're at 24 buildings, 25 buildings closing in June. Right. And now think of it this way. If you, if you think of it structurally on a, like a decade basis versus like, you know, day trading houses, right? Right. So think of it this way. You have all of these refinances lined up so that every year you're doing two or three of these refinances. Okay. Yep. Yep. So what does that look like to you as an investor? For, to me, it means that I'm like when I'm turning over buildings and I have this chain where I'm refinancing and I'm, I'm continuing to build value, I'm, I'm still getting cash flow from the assets when I refinance because you're not going to get more than a debt coverage ratio of 1.2 anyways, yep. right? So you're going to be able to, um, to still cash flow on the asset. You're going to pull out that additional value and you're going to do that every year on two or three buildings. So that's 720. Imagine you do that two or three times a year. Yep. Significant. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lights that's light. the difference. Yeah. You know, and, and so, the, and, the, and that's the difference in multifamily. I find that one to four units were really great for me in order to uh, enable me to leave my job. 
right? That, that was and that was great for me to leave teaching. I was I was doing very well. I was on the sunshine list in Ontario, right? So it's that's a, over a hundred a public sector worker who makes over a hundred thousand a year. That was back in two thousand and thirteen. Okay, mm-hmm. but uh, I've I've well eclipsed that from what I do, but. I, I have to say that, like, just being able to 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 think from a net worth perspective and looking at apartment buildings, it's a very it's a great net worth generator. And um, do what like, yes, I care if property values go down by ten percent or fifteen percent or twenty percent. Yes, I care, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm I'm in for it for that suit that was that we bought for twelve dollars in 1912 yeah. yeah. that's worth uh yeah. you know the same suit but now it costs three hundred dollars right yeah oh i had something i was going to ask you but i lost my train of thought but i have uh, another another question that popped up you said you at some point you're you're changing properties from a c class to a b class property how do you do that how, how do you switch it from a c to a b well, in Ontario, we have really archaic like uh, landlord tenant board laws that are very tenant protective. And I'm, this is how it is. OK, um, but what happens is you have buildings where you have a, a, some tenants that are really dragging down the building. Either they're like, you know, they're doing drugs. They're just a pain in the butt. They keep their their property stinks because they have cat you know urine smell or like and it's not necessarily the location or condition of the building it's some oftentimes it's tenants that are the problem right and they're and they're and they're interfering with the reasonable enjoyment of other tenants in the building we've created this mess so sometimes all we have to do is work to turn over the problem tenants so if we can turn over those problem tenants we can change the 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 even the 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 feeling of the building from a c to a b then we're then we're also you know we're doing things like we're cleaning up the the hallways the units the common areas you know we're um we're improving the the condition of the building you, you can't change the location of the building but you can so like we're looking at those b areas with a c the C quality building and then you know we're able to transition those um, that building into something that's that's better by turning over you know some of those um, those units and then you know all of a sudden I, I can't tell you how many times like we've turned over a particular tenant or two in a building and how how much the other tenants you know, appreciated and thank you. Like, <laughs> just like, oh my God, thank God this person is gone. Like it, it was, and they're just, you know, they're, but we've created this awful system that we think that, you know, um, this your bureaucracy here that, uh, that doesn't like, um, doesn't work very well in Ontario when it comes to like, not only helping turn over like, uh, solving problems, but like dealing with those problems, right? There's no, there, like the the process takes so long. Anyways, I could go on about that, but that's not what we're here for. And you said seven k, you paid those tenants. Is that like how do you know how much to pay them? Well, what you would want to do is define for yourself what that's worth, right? And uh, you don't often start at seven k. You would probably start at like 
a thousand or two thousand or five hundred. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on on where you want to start. Yeah. And then you know you're you're looking at how you know how much is it going to cost them to move, and, and what is it like? Where are they going to find uh, to move to, and yeah. what are they you know going to pay when they move there? So that that's what we're looking at when we're we're doing all of this. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. I thought about starting another topic. Instead, I'm going to have you come back in like another, maybe in the fall or something. But <laughs> sure, <laughs> I sure, think no you're right every like six months or something. <laughs> we're recording in May, by the way, if anyone's when we're listening to this, but because I think it'll probably come out in July. But um, <clears throat> Quentin, um, you have a, what did you say, six books now? Yeah, six Are books. They, yep. Any of them on Audible? Can I like download? No. Them? Cause I'm, I'm old school. <laughs> I, I honestly, I wrote all the books for my kids. Yep. So like, um, the re well, the first, the first two books, the property management books I, I wrote for my wife. I know this is morbid in case I passed away. So she had have like a, a guidebook on how to do this stuff. And then people were asking me about it. And I just put it in a book and I said, stop asking me by the book. Right. I got um, one of them. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And then, you know, the other books, like, over time, I figured that if I want my kids to be able to do what I do, they may not want it to, to, to do it now, they may want to do it 20 years from now, and they want to kind of hear what, like my dad did, and maybe I won't be there. Right. And so instead of not being there, I want them to be able to hear it from my words and you know how I'm thinking and so that's why I put those books together so I, I have a book on um, you know this like the scaling up toolbox which is about raising money and um, and you know all the intricacies that go into that and you you can't even buy that on Amazon you have to go to jointventurebook.com that's the only place to get it um the finding properties toolbox the filling vacancies toolbox the property management toolbox the ultimate wealth strategy and the action taker real estate uh, action planner which is more about like thinking about wealth how to how to to do goal setting a lot of that stuff is is uh, in the planner so like they're but they're all for my kids right they're well the first two are for my wife and the other the other four are for my kids so that they can can do what they want but i haven't done audible everybody keeps asking me the same thing i i gotta hire somebody to do it that's all yeah hire somebody to just read your book out loud and record the whole thing yeah yeah um, this might be a really dumb question. Is it the same prices on jointventurebook.com as Audible or sorry, as uh, Amazon or ever? No, it it's not available on Amazon. You oh, can't. Oh, yeah. So get them all on jointventurebook.com. No, you can only get the scaling up toolbox on, um, uh, on jointventurebook.com. And then yeah. the rest of them, the other five, you can get on uh, Amazon. And I'll, so the reason why I don't put it on Amazon is, uh, first of all, there's some, I would say, uh, uh, it's a process that that I've kind of come up with. And um, I also, um, there's a lot of securities agencies out there. And I really don't want to draw a lot of attention to myself. And so uh, it's better for me to just put it on a URL. And that's it. Because um, and I mentioned that, right? I talk about the Ontario Securities Commission. Like, I only work with accredited investors. So, you know, I'm, I'm not really, you know, pitching you ROIs and numbers when I'm when I'm talking, right? Never should. Um, no, you never Even should. if you're doing but, single family or something small, never no. pitch that anywhere. Facebook, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's problematic. So I mentioned that in the book, right? So yep. I'm, I'm trying to be on side, but I also go through the entire process. So, um, and I, and I really didn't want to draw attention to myself. So that's why it's not on Amazon, but I, I still wanted to write it because I need to have something for my kids to follow. And if it's not there, then like, where is it? Right. It's in my head. It's not going to help anyone. Right. So. Well, I'm going to go buy a book today. I, I like to read a book this every month and I, uh, I haven't picked my May book and we're like on the 10th, I think, or 12th or whatever date is, 11th. And I still haven't picked my book for this month. So I'm falling behind. So you know, you, you help me out. So problem solved. Awesome. <laughs> One of my goals Good is stuff. done. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, Quentin, if people wanted to get a hold of you, where's the best way to find you? Um, the best way to find me is probably using that Linktree. Like if you go to Linktree Qman REI, that's the, um, the easiest way. I don't know if you've used Linktree before, um, but it's just like a, a, a link that has a list of all your links, right? Um, so um, I'll send you the, the, the URL for that. But also you can catch me on Instagram, Qman REI, or um, if you go to, uh, let's say, Durham REI, dot com that's probably the easiest uh, way to get a hold of me is through that uh, website um just because uh with the club we've got like people all over come out so it's it's been uh, it's been really good actually we've grown over i thought we would shrink over covid we actually have grown really which is yeah yeah well now which is which is, which is really odd so we actually have grown about 30 we're about 300 members now right which is pretty awesome but we have members from all around the country and because we're doing like um uh, uh live streaming and we're doing live we end up with the same amount of people but half of them are in person and half of them are online which has been totally different but like we're just trying to adapt to the times right so um it's been pretty cool but yeah yeah i guess um you know the people that didn't adapt probably are, are feeling it but you know we just we we did and and now i think we're kind of benefiting from that you answered my next question if it was on it was live still i personally love the live ones it's it's good mm. to get the information but the networking and the connections and being around people that are doing big things you just you need i need the boost every once in a while otherwise i just get into the the rhythm of doing my own thing i need to get pushed up again right that's why i go to masterminds and other things right i like to that boost anyway yeah no exactly like we like tonight is a meeting actually we were gonna yeah. we'll probably have like maybe about 80 people out before covid we'd have like 150 right so um but um we also will have probably 40 or 50 people like watching it live at the same time so <laughs> it's you know it's it's one of those things and yeah and i do masterminds as well like we've and um uh, like in coaching and stuff like that like I was on the east coast last week and I there was uh, I meet with other investors from across Canada like yep. like and they're much bigger than me like you know 300 million in assets that sort of thing and I, I feel like I'm the small guy in the room right I love that feeling though yeah and I'm but I'm learning a lot right and yeah. I, there's always things that I start to pick up and and you know the mindset is totally different so um, and you've got to put yourself in those rooms, you know, meet up with people, get pushed, get inspired. And then, you know, you can, you go back and you, you work, right? Yep. Well, Quentin, thanks for coming on the show. Like always amazing content. <laughs>
Hey, no problem. Nice to talk to you, Glenn. And uh, we'll have to catch up and figure out what you're doing too. I haven't, I haven't heard like all the, like I, I keep seeing all your projects going on and stuff like that. So it sounds like you're on fire. Yeah, maybe I'll head over there next month. Head over to Durham, take the drive. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Glenn. Thanks.